Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Church. It is good to see each one of you. And I have to say, Happy New Year. Happy 2016. It seems like just yesterday it was 1996. And for some of you, I know it seems like 1966 was just yesterday. But it's not. It is 2016. Welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. And I'm glad we have gathered here together to worship and to open up God's Word and to hear what He has to say to us this morning. So let's ask Him uh, to bless our time as we read and study His Word together. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. Lord, I thank You for bringing each one of these people to this place. You have brought each one of us here for a purpose. And Lord, we are here this morning to hear from You. So I pray that the words that I speak would not just be my words, but that they would be words from You meeting people where they are at and speaking to them in their need. Lord, I don't know what has brought each individual to this place this morning, but you do. And you are the one who knows exactly what they need. So I pray, Lord, for this morning for the presence of your spirit to be here to speak to us, to mold us, to shape us, and to provide us with encouragement. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask all these things. Amen. If you would... Would you please take a Bible, open it up, and turn to Joshua chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one from the pew rack in front of you or beneath your seat. I'd encourage you to follow along with me this morning. Joshua chapter 14. In the church Bible, it's found on page 180. I want to say that this introduction this morning is my small tribute uh, to Ed Dobson. Ed Dobson was not fond of traditional or classic introductions. In fact, in 18 years of listening to him preach, I don't recall him one time starting with a catchy story or a catchy illustration. Ed would just stand up and say, please open your Bible to whatever the text was for that morning, and he'd begin reading. So hopefully at this point you are at Joshua chapter 14. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Yephunneh, and the Kenesite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while the Israelites moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Yephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Yephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. 
This is the story of Caleb. This morning we've come on the story of Caleb and Caleb receiving his inheritance. Caleb is going to see, receive the land that God, through Moses, had promised him 45 years before. Now in the book of Joshua, as we come to Joshua chapter 14, we come to this first introduction of Caleb. Up until this point in the book of Joshua, we have not yet met Caleb. Caleb has been part of the people of Israel for a long time. Caleb was with the people of Israel while they were in Egypt in slavery. He left with the people of Israel. Caleb left, Israel with the, with, left Egypt with the people of Israel. Caleb crossed the Red Sea on dry ground with the people of Israel. Caleb saw the destruction of the Egyptian army behind him. Caleb, along with the rest of the people of Israel, wandered in the wilderness for over 40 years. And now here in Joshua chapter 14, we come to the assignment that God has given to Caleb at 85 years old. Caleb has been promised this land, the land of Hebron, in this promised land. But Caleb has an assignment, and his assignment is to fulfill the promise that God gave to him through Moses. And so Caleb, as he comes to the promised land, he recognizes that he now has to fulfill this promise. But notice, notice very specifically here that Caleb's assignment isn't over. He's been promised the land, but according to verse 12, the Anakites, the Anakites are the giants of Canaan, still have control of this land that Caleb's been promised. So at 85 years old, Caleb has the assignment to drive out the Anakites from the land that he has been promised. Now think about this. Caleb is 85 years old. He is the one that has made the point of telling us that he is 85 years old. Caleb is an octogenarian. Caleb has lived over eight decades, and he is well past retirement age. Caleb does not fit our modern stereotype of retirement, does he? Caleb is not sitting back, sipping sweet tea, and looking at a golf course. Caleb is ready to act. He's ready to act on the promise that God made and fulfill the assignment that God has given him by driving the Anakites from the land. Caleb has to do the work. He has to drive out the Anakites, even though he is 85 years old, and he does just that. Look down at Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Yephunneh, a portion in Judah. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the forefather of Anak, Verse 14 is key. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmeh, the sons of Anak. Caleb, at 85 years old, takes Hebron. At 85 years old, Canaan conquers the land that he was promised. He drives out the Anakites. He is still going strong at 85 years old. At 85 years old, Caleb is completely full of life. So our question for this morning is, what makes Caleb so effective? What makes Caleb so effective? What makes Caleb as effective at 85 as he was at 40 years old? 
Now, if you are here this morning and you are older, you should recognize that this story of Caleb is for you. He's 85 years old. So if you are here this morning and you are, let's do this. If you are here this morning, I want to try this. If you are here this morning and you are in your 90s, if you are in your 90s, raise your hand. Any 90-year-olds? There we go, Dougie. 90 years old. Okay, anyone here in their 80s? Raise your hand if you're in your 80s. Great. Anyone here in their 70s? Raise your hand if you're in your 70s. Raise your hand if you're in your 70s. Mom, raise your hand. You're in your 70s. Oh, I'm I'm walking to this side of the platform because I'm going to be in big trouble for that one. Okay, if you're here, you're in your 60s. Raise your hand if you're in your 60s. Okay, we got some 60s. Raise your hand if you're in your 50s. Raise your hand if you're in your 50s. Okay, all of you, you are older. (laughs) This story of Caleb is for you. But here's the thing. It's not only for you who are older. If you are here and you are under 50 years old, raise your hand. You notice I'm raising my hand? Because I am younger. I write the sermon. If you write the sermon, you can make the age break any place you want it. Here's the point. Each one of us here this morning have raised our hands. This sermon isn't just for those of you who are older. This sermon is for those of you who are younger as well. This sermon this morning is for each one of us here in this room. And the question on the table is, what makes Caleb, what made Caleb so effective? There's a phrase. There's a phrase. There's a certain statement that is made about Caleb. And this statement is made about Caleb six times in the Bible. Three times it's made in the book of Numbers. And three times this statement is made right here in the book of Joshua. And the first time we see it here in the book of Joshua, it's found in chapter 14, verse 8. Look at verse 8. Look at what Caleb says of himself. He says of himself to Moses... I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Look at back, look next in verse 9. After Moses had given him the promise of the inheritance, Moses says, Because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And in verse 14, Joshua writes why he fulfilled the promise of the inheritance. He writes, Because he, Caleb, followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. The phrase that is the answer to Caleb's effectiveness, why is Caleb so effective? Because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. This phrase, following the Lord wholeheartedly, to follow the Lord wholeheartedly means to be filled up with God. It means to be full of the presence and the power of God. You see, Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly because he was full of God. It has the idea of getting close, of getting close to somebody, of closing the gap. It's a phrase that hunters use when they're pursuing their prey. They want as small or as short of distance as possible between themselves and their prey. They want to close the gap. Caleb wanted wanted as short of distance as possible between himself and the Lord. Caleb wanted to be filled up with the presence and the power of God, and he was every inch, every ounce, every molecule of his being, of Caleb's being, was committed to following the Lord wholeheartedly. 
Why was Caleb so effective? Because he followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. Now, if you're like me, you read this and you say, okay, I know, I, I see that. I can follow the Lord wholeheartedly. But the problem for me is sometimes I'm not exactly sure what that looks like to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. So what we find here in our text is we find how it is that Caleb demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to God. So for you and me, whether you're 85, 45, or 15, you and I can learn together what it looks like to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And Caleb demonstrates that for us in this text. So here it is. The first way that Caleb demonstrated following the Lord wholeheartedly, the first way that Caleb wholeheartedly committed to God was through his confident faith. Through his confident faith. Our text, verses 6 through 9, reviews the confident faith that both Caleb and Joshua had 45 years before when Moses sent them and 10 other spies into the land. Look at what it says in verse 7. Look at what Caleb says in verse 7. I brought him, Moses, back a report according to my convictions. In the Hebrew, this literally says that his heart was overflowing with confidence. Caleb believed. Caleb believed that God was who he said he is and that God would do what he promised to do. Caleb's heart was overflowing in confidence. The stories found back in Numbers 13. So keep your finger in Joshua 14. Turn back to Numbers 13. It's found on page 117 in the church Bible. This is the story of Caleb and Joshua and the 10 other spies entering into the promised land. And we're going back about 45 years in time now. And at this time, the people of Israel had been out of Egypt for about a year. Now remember, God had had released them from slavery in Egypt. God had led them across dry ground through the Red Sea. God had destroyed the Egyptian army that was trailing them. God had provided the people of Israel over that year with daily food and daily water. God himself had even met them on Mount Sinai and assembled them as a nation, blessed them as a nation, and had given them the law. And now we are standing on the edge of the promised land. They're at Kadesh Barnea, and they're on the edge of the promised land. And Moses picks 12 guys. And he picks these 12 guys to enter into this promised land to spy it out, to see what the land looks like, to see how large the people are who are inhabiting the land. Moses sends the 12 in. They're there for about six weeks. And after about six weeks of exploring, they come back. And they come back with a majority report. Ten of them, a majority of them, come back with this report. It's found in Numbers 13, verses 27 and 28. And this is what they say to Moses. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We saw giants. Verse 31 we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. This is the majority report. Ten spies brought this conclusion back to Moses that we cannot go into that land. But there was also a minority report 
the minority report, is signed only by Joshua and by Caleb. And look who does the talking. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The majority fought back. They're multiplying the difficulties and they're magnifying the horrors. Look at verse 32. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. End of 33. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The people of Israel then get on board with the majority report. They begin crying. They begin weeping. They begin grumbling. They even look back with fondness on their time in Egypt. They want to go back to slavery in Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb? Joshua and Caleb are undaunted. They build on their argument. Look, they say the land is exceedingly good. It flows with milk and honey. And more important, most importantly, God will lead them into the land. God will be with them in the land. And God will help them conquer the people of the land. And then Caleb gives one final warning and an encouragement. Look at Numbers 14, verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the people of Israel, they don't listen. In fact, they pick up stones to stone Caleb and Joshua. And as a result, God gets really, really, really upset and pronounces a curse on this generation of Israelites. And he pronounces a curse to them that says, you will not see, nor will you enter the land that I have promised you. But for Caleb, there's a wholly different outcome. Look at verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. There it is. God even says that Caleb follows him wholeheartedly and with a different spirit. And part of that different spirit is the confident faith that Caleb has in God. You see, the 10 spies come back with the majority report. Those who come back with the majority report see things from the perspective of man. Caleb and Joshua come back with a minority report that says we can take the land because they see things from God's perspective. They have faith in God and they believe that God is going to go with them into the land and they believe that God is going to fight on their behalf when they get in the land. You see, faith is more than just positive thinking. Faith is more than just having a good outlook on how things are going to turn out. Faith, confident faith, the confident faith of Caleb is that he has a faith in an object, and that object is God. Caleb believes God is who he says he is, and he believes that God will do what he said he will do. So that means when Caleb was 40, because of his confident faith, he was ready to enter the land because he knew that God was going to go with him. And it also means that Caleb actually entered the land at 85 
because he believed and he acted on the belief by entering the land, believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he promises to do. To follow God wholeheartedly means that we, like Caleb, are to demonstrate a confident faith in God. The second way that Caleb demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to God is found back in Joshua 14. So turn back to Joshua 14. The second way that Caleb demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to God was through enthusiastic optimism. Was through enthusiastic optimism. Look at Joshua 14, verses 10 and 11. Now then... Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Caleb is 85 years old, and here he's saying, let me at them. I am still strong. I can take the land that you promised me. I can conquer those Anakites. I will fight the battle. He was so positive. Now, I don't think this is a statement of pride. I think this statement is just Caleb stating a fact because he believes this statement of fact just flows out of the belief that he knows that God is going to do what he promised he was going to do. So he has this positive response to the challenge, to the to to the opportunity to enter the land. And Caleb demonstrates an enthusiastic optimism. There is no doubt in his mind that he will not take the land that God has promised him. And that gave Caleb a spirit of optimism. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that not everyone is optimistic? Have you ever noticed that there are some people who are actually negative? There are some people that for them nothing is ever right or good. There are some people for whom the cup is always half empty. There are some people that are always negative. And you know what? A negative spirit, a negative spirit is always a mark of the flesh. A negative spirit is always a mark of the flesh and not of God. Now, we all know people in our lives who are negative. Hopefully, you are not one of them. Caleb demonstrates for us That to follow the Lord wholeheartedly means that we are to have a positive outlook, an optimistic spirit, an enthusiastic optimism because we recognize that God is who he says he is. You see, when we're negative, when we're critical, it always flows out of distrust. It is either that we do not trust God or we do not trust that God is going to work in the people who are around us. So we respond with negativity. Caleb, on the other hand, trusts God. 
he realizes that God keeps his promises. So Caleb is able to respond with an enthusiastic optimism. Now, I want to say that there are different types of enthusiastic optimism. There are some people who are quietly, enthusiastically optimistic. Not everybody is exuberant in their optimism, and that's okay. Some people are positive quietly, and some people are positive loudly. The point is not how you are enthusiastically optimistic. The point is, is that if you believe and trust in God and follow Him wholeheartedly, you will be enthusiastically optimistic, just like Caleb. When the ten spies came back and said, we can't do it, Caleb said, oh, yes, we can. When the ten spies came back and said, they're giants, we look like grasshoppers, Caleb came back and said, oh, no, our God is much bigger than they are. And as a result, he was enthusiastically optimistic. So to follow God wholeheartedly means that we have confident faith. It means that we are enthusiastically optimistic. And thirdly, it means that we are people who are willing to welcome a challenge. You see, Caleb came to the point in his life, even at 85 years old, where he was able to welcome a challenge. Look at verse 12. Look at what Caleb says. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Yephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Yephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Remember, Caleb's been promised this land of Hebron, a land that is inhabited by Anakites, a land that is inhabited by the giants of Canaan. Not everybody in Canaan was a giant, but the people within Hebron, on the hills of Hebron, were giants, these Anakites. Caleb has to take the land. This is his assignment. Caleb has to fight for the land, but he is certainly willing to accept the challenge. Do you get this? Caleb is 85 years old. Caleb is 85 years old, and not only is he welcoming the challenge, he seems like he wants the challenge. He wants to enter into the land. He wants to defeat the Anakites. He wants to possess this land that God promised him 45 years before. So at 85 years old, Caleb accepts the challenge to tackle the assignment that God has given to him. 85 years old. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that many people seem to give up living before they actually die? Seriously. Have you ever noticed that some people seem to give up living before they actually die? And this isn't only 80, 70, 60-year-olds. There's some 30-year-olds that give up living before they actually die. Caleb's 85 years old, and he welcomes, he even looks forward to the challenge of taking the land that God had promised him. 
It's like Paul. Remember how Paul, towards the end of his life, writes this letter to Timothy, and he writes to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, some people give up living before they die. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a runner. It's like a racer who comes within sight of the finish line and sits down and just stares at the finish line and watches everybody run by. Paul says, no, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He doesn't sit down and look and stare at the finish line that's ahead. He fights through and towards the finish line. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Have you ever heard people say, man, I can't wait till I retire and then I'm going to sit and go do nothing? Or how about, hey, I'm too old for that. I'm going to leave that to the young people to do that one. Or how about the best one? Actually, it's the most annoying one ever. Been there, done that. How many of you have heard somebody say that? Been there, don't raise your hand if you said it because it would be quite embarrassing at this point. Been there, done that. How many, what is it? That's not in God's lexicon. That shouldn't be in our lexicon. We should be like Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When a runner comes to the finish line, when a runner comes to the end, he doesn't sit down and look at the finish line. When a runner comes, I know. I know when you're coming towards the finish line, you get tired. I know your muscles ache. I know your mind doesn't think quite as rationally as it did when you started the race. But when you come close to the finish line and it's out in front of you and you see it, what do you do? Do you sit down? No, you kick it up. You make that extra push because you see the finish line. You don't sit down. You dig down into your reserves and you say, oh, I only have a mile left. Oh, I only have a half a mile. Oh, I only have 200 yards. And I am going to give it all that I have to get through that finish line. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And remember, this isn't only for those of you who are 80. This is for those of you who are 20, 30, in your teens. I don't care. We are all in a race. And here's the thing. If you are older, I know that there are physical limitations. There may even be some mental limitations. But your commitment should never change. In fact, your commitment should be stronger today than it was 10, 20, or 30 years ago. Because you see the finish line. And you're going to kick it in. And you are going to finish strong. Hopefully, you have more wisdom than you did when you were young. Are you using that wisdom for God and His purposes? You may have more financial resources than when you were young. Are you using the financial resources that God has given you for kingdom purposes? Are you helping those who are in need so that through your help they may actually see the love of Jesus Christ? If you are older, you probably and likely have more time than you did when you were younger. How are you using that time? Are you meeting with people? Are you encouraging people? Are you praying? How are you using now today the resources that God has given you so that you can kick it up as you cross that finish line? It's the spirit 
of Caleb. Caleb demonstrates following the Lord wholeheartedly by being willing and welcoming a challenge because the challenge turns into an opportunity. And I love it. I mean, I love this place. This morning at 7.30, I met with a group of people, about 20, 25 people, most of them in their 70s, who are taking the time to pray for you, for me, for these services praying that God would show up and be present in this place. They're taking the time that God has given them, and they're praying. I love to see that. Think about, I I know 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds and even a 90-year-old that went on a mission trip. They are fighting the good fight. They are finishing the race strong. There are so many opportunities. So many times, you know that that board right there? You know the numbers? You that kids, young kids, you you know the numbers. When the number flashes, you got to go because your kid needs help. Usually in my case, it was my kid bit somebody, so I had to go and take him out. But you see that number flashing, and often you see the 5,000 flashing. That means that they need help in the children's ministry. You have the opportunity. You can look at it as a little small challenge. You can go and help. Do you know in, uh, in like three months, we're moving to Calvin College? You've heard about this Grace Beyond thing, right? <laughs> we are actually leaving this building and we were going to worship beginning April 10th at Calvin College. There are many challenges that we have as we go to Calvin College, which presents opportunities for each one of us to demonstrate following the Lord wholeheartedly. Here, you want an example? A few weeks ago, Children's Ministry sent out a request, sent out a request for helpers, a request for helpers while we're at Calvin. You know how many responses the Children's Ministry got? Goose egg. But here's the deal. I know this church. And I know we have the spirit of Caleb. And I know each one of you want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And what that means is that you have and will demonstrate a confident faith, that you will be enthusiastically optimistic, and that you are a people that welcome a challenge. And together we have this challenge that will present itself as an opportunity for each one of us to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Just like Caleb. Three keys to the application of this sermon. And they are quick, so hang with me. Three keys. The first key in application is this. Did you notice that all of these points, all of these three demonstrations of Caleb are interconnected? And this is what I mean by that. If you are confident in faith in God, you are usually enthusiastically optimistic and willing to welcome a challenge. If you are enthusiastically optimistic, you are typically confident in faith and welcoming of a challenge. If you welcome a challenge, you are usually confident in faith and enthusiastically optimistic. The three are interconnected, but the reverse is also true. If you don't have one, you typically don't have the other. The three are connected, which leads us to the second key in application that I know some of you are sitting, listening to me, and you're thinking, but you don't know my story but you don't know the assignment that God has given to me. And it's difficult. It's seemingly overwhelming. Caleb's was a difficult assignment. He was 85 years old 
and he had to conquer the Anakites in order to receive his promise. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, but my assignment's much more difficult than Caleb's. And I don't know if I can have confident faith. I don't know if I can be enthusiastically optimistic. And I'm not sure I can welcome the challenge. Here's what I ask you to do. What I ask you to do is apply God's principle of sowing and reaping. Apply God's principle of sowing and reaping. And here's what I mean by that. If you feel that your assignment is overwhelming, if you feel that you cannot step out in enthusiastic optimism, if you cannot welcome the challenge, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a step. So, take a step. So confident faith. Act out in faith. Not only believe, but take a step of faith and see how God responds by giving you more faith. If you are not optimistic and you are a negative person, fake it. Choose to be optimistic. Choose to be positive. Sow a step of optimism and see how God adds to your step with more optimism. If you are unwilling to accept a challenge or don't think you can, accept a small challenge. And so, step and accept the challenge and see how God shows up in his presence and his power. Because the truth behind this sermon is although I have introduced the three points as Caleb demonstrating how he followed God wholeheartedly, it's more than just Caleb's demonstration. It is the principle of sowing and reaping. If you sow a step of faith, if you sow optimism, if you sow and accept, willingly accept a challenge, God will respond by giving you more faith, giving you more optimism, and showing up in your challenge with his presence and with his power. And I know that to be true because of the third key application to this sermon. And that is this. This is not Caleb's story. This is God's story. This story is ultimately about the Lord God Almighty. And that is the truth about him is that he is almighty. He is magnificent. He is full of majesty and power. And he is the one who, to whom we should place and give our trust. And the whole story about Caleb is not all that Caleb did. It is actually all about what God did. The reason that Caleb had confident faith, the reason that Caleb was enthusiastically optimistic, the reason that Caleb accepted and welcomed the challenge was because Caleb knew and trusted the Lord God Almighty. And because this story is about God, it is my prayer for you for me, for us, that we would be a people who follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time 
that we have had together. Lord, I thank you for who you are because you certainly are the Lord God Almighty, full of power, dominion, and control. All the world is in your hands. Lord, I recognize that there are people here this morning who are in need of a demonstration of your presence and your power. Lord, there are those here who are in a situation that is seemingly overwhelming. I pray for them this morning, Lord, and I ask that that you would specifically and specially present yourself to them. And Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that we would leave this place not recognizing how great Caleb was, but seeing how great and powerful and trustworthy you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.